You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. Whole Foods Market is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network and Wellness in the Schools. Serving over 30,000 children in New York's public schools, Wellness in the Schools offers healthy eating education for students with a focus on cooking, tasting, and feeling whole ingredients. Learn more about community giving at Whole Foods Market by visiting www.wholefoodsmarket.com backslash values. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We're Groundworks, Inc., and I'm Alice Marcus-Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. And Heritage Radio Network broadcasts from two shipping containers in lovely, lovely Bushwick, Brooklyn, located next to Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street. We Dig Plants is produced and engineered by Jack Inslee. So, it's summertime, and we're here live today. It's been a while. Yes. <laughs> we, um, we have been eating peaches. It's time for peaches. Prunus persica. Yeah. Um, it's the sweet, sweet, sweet juice of summertime. And um, I just got back from the Outer Banks, and I made sure to stop and get some fresh ripe peaches from the farm stand as we drove up the ro- long rural highway which, Carmen, you will be on in just a few weeks, mm-hmm. headed down to the I same can't place. wait. I'm going to eat my way south <laughs> Yeah, and eat so, my way north. <laughs> so we got, we got these peaches, and, and uh, Paul and I just basically spent the rest of the drive up, you know, six other hours with, like, sticky hands and fresh juice dripping down our chins, and yeah. it was awesome. There's nothing like a summer peach. And I've been making cobblers and pies ever <laughs> since. <laughs> so... Um, so today we're going to talk about peaches, and a little bit later, Erica Wides from Why We Cook, um, also here on Heritage Radio Network, is going to join us after the break. Um, her show is awesome. It's all about food history and chemistry and, and natural history, and it's just really great. So we thought she would be a great addition to our show, um, and as, as she's a chef and she heard the name of her website is Chef Smarty Pants, so I thought we could call her Chef Smarty Plants. But, um, <laughs> I <well>. love it. <laughs> anyway, so to begin horticulturally, here's some uh, quick history on the peach in America and how it actually got here. Um, Prunus persica are originally believed to have come from China to the Mideast 
through the trade routes uh, known to extend to Turkey and Iran and Persia. The perch, the, the peach seeds could be used to plant and grow trees throughout North Africa and Europe and finally were introduced to America in the mid-1500s. And the first appearance of peaches in China may actually date back to 2000 B.C., However, my cousin and one of our gardeners, Josh, is in Istanbul right now um, doing some research, and he just posted on his blog that he visited an archaeological dig where they uncovered peach pits dating back 15,000 years ago. So, so people have been enjoying them for a while. And so many good things come from China. We've had so many shows when we've talked yeah. about a lot of beautiful ornamental plants coming from China, but a lot of good things originally, good things to eat came from China. Yeah, exactly. Um, historians believe that peach trees were first introduced into the colonial sediment settlements here in America um, by the French explorers in 1562 at territories that they were governing um, along the Gulf uh, Coast near Mobile, Alabama, and then by the Spaniards, who established St. Augustine in Florida uh, a little bit later in 1565 on the Atlantic seaboard. Oldest city in America. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The peach trees were planted from peach seed, which was imported from Europe into an effort in an effort to establish a self-sustaining agricultural and fruit tree product to feed the colonists here. American Indians further spread these pits um, throughout vast territories by transporting the seed to other tribes that lived inland. Um, So that's how the peach moved westward, so to speak. Um, And... uh, of course, hybridizers of, of lately have, have greatly changed that original sure, seed. Sure, um, And people don't grow them from seed anymore. No. No, they graft them and they grow them from, from cuttings because they want them to come true. So exactly. It's, it's the growing of them and the spreading of them as a crop is very, very different today. Exactly. So um, there are... Some historic varieties to look for. Well, first, let, let me let me discuss. There's two actual. Um, there's two classifications. Classifications, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, one is the freestone, and one is the clingstone. Mm-hmm. And the freestone quality um, separates easily from the pit, and the clingstone obviously stays on in a tighter manner. Right. Um, and those are the ones that are for canning, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Those are the Del Monte canned peaches. Exactly. With those the thick syrup. Can I just say, I have a confession to make. I do love fresh fruit, and I do love good food, but I do no. love them. I do love them. <laughs> in fact, it's really funny. In the winter, when I was a kid, I what don't... Are you, I, what, did you grow up in a hospital? <laughs> no. But I, this is my bad food confession. My mother would buy them in the winter, because of course she wouldn't buy peaches right. being the, in the winter, being a, the original locavore that she is, you know? So we had a craving for peaches, and she would yeah. buy those canned peaches and I love them and I think I never buy them but she buys them for my son Max (laughs) and he loves them too you know but I won't bring them into house Alice because I'm afraid that I will like start eating them again (laughs) well I will confess there have been some evenings when we have bought that canned syrup confection and uh, dumped it over some vanilla ice cream and it's damn good I mean there's nothing better than the fresh peach of course absolutely um 
So, William Bartram, let's talk about good old, good old friend, another another northerner who went south. <laughs> another another plant-exploring <laughs> lunatic. Exactly. <laughs> um, he was, of course, the famous botanist and explorer, and he wrote in his book, Travels, in 1773, several accounts of his observations of the ancient peach and plum orchards growing in Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama. Bartram visited the ruins of a French plantation in 1776 near Mobile, Alabama, and recorded the following statement. I came presently to old fields where I observed ruins of ancient habitations, there being an abundance of peach and fig trees loaded with fruit. So that's a pretty old declaration mm-hmm. about how quickly these trees grew and And even without and cultivation, after being abandoned, they continue to produce probably for a while. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But also peach trees are, are grown... Um, for a non-fruiting potential as well. And it was President Thomas Jefferson who actually planted it for the flower. Mm -hmm. And it was a double flowering peach tree that um, bloomed spectacularly at his home in Virginia. I wonder if it's still there. In 1805. I'm probably pretty sure it's there. Yeah, Um, Flowering peach trees rate high in ornamental horticulture and um, are desirable because of new cultivars that are always coming into right. rotation. It's a nice substitute for the cherry trees that are ubiquitous. Every, mm-hmm. You know, if you want something a little bit different, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you the, colors, the colors are white, pink, red. There's even like a peppermint kind of um, striped yeah. flower. And they have kind of a more wild habit, which mm-hmm. I like, rather than cherry trees. Sometimes cherry trees can be very massive. Yeah, you know? yeah. So if you want something a little smaller. And they're messy. They drop cherries, you know. So these do not, and they're, because they're sterile in the fruit production, and they bloom early in the spring, and they're loaded with large, colorf- colorful clusters of single or double-flowered peach petals. Um, they're less popular as a fresh fruit than a few years ago, um, primarily because commercial peach cultivars and varieties are tailored to by hybridizers to grow and ship as a firm fruit. I know. So the firmness of these peaches is important when a grower considers shipping the peach um, long distances, but not enough attention has been given by plant hybridizers to save the ancient qualities for aroma, juiciness, flavor, Taste, yeah. and seed separation. I mean, I, when I go to buy peaches, when it's not at the farmer's market, if it's just at, at the you know regular supermarket or fruit stand, I have to sniff them, Alice. Oh, yeah. If I if they don't smell good, I'm not buying them. I know that... It if it smells dis- like a peach, yeah, I, it's a peach. It's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. It's really disappointing it is. a lot of the time. Well, and that's why it's, it really is important to, to shop uh, seasonally and locally. Because then you do get the best fruit. You and know? peaches are, are easy to preserve. Mm-hmm. You know, you can freeze them pretty well and you can have them yeah. in the winter. Yeah. So I'd rather buy a whole bunch at the market and yeah. then keep them. Yeah, you know? it's actually very easy. And what I just did, which was the easiest thing because I was making cobblers like crazy this past week, is if you just parboil them mm-hmm. super quick, like two seconds in in boiling water the peel just comes right off so Mm -hmm. then you just slice them up put them in a ziploc bag and put them in your freezer 
And there you go. And they taste much better than what you would find coming from South America in the Mm -hmm. middle of winter, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and because those are so firm and hard and, and then they just mold so quickly. Like you don't, yeah, it's a ten, it's a really soft, delicate fruit. Mm -hmm. There really shouldn't be, it's the kind of thing you really should just buy local, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So if you'd like to grow your own peaches, we have some historic varieties, which I'd like to mention, um, that'll give you that sweet, freestone, syrupy quality. Um, there's one from 1880 called Champion. There's another from 1820. I like this one called George the Fourth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wasn't the crazy king. No. He was his son. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's 1667. This wow. was the earliest that I found. Gros Mignon. Oh, I want to buy that. I want to find that one. I'd love to grow that. Um, and then there's 1821 is Late Crawford, and 1876 is Lola Queen, and another pre-1800 is Old Mixon Free, which I that sounds great too. Found to, to be interesting, and these can probably be found um, through heirloom seed catalog companies. Yeah. So. Um, we're going to take a break. Carmen's going to come back in a few minutes and talk about how to actually grow a peach tree. Stay tuned. Moving to the country, I'm going to eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can, they were put there by a man in a factory downtown. following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune in to Hot Grease every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Hot Grease strives to bring sustainability, localized sourcing, and other forward-thinking schools of culinary thought to the minds and kitchens of everyday folk. Each week, Nicole Taylor's conversations cover the entire spectrum of food enthusiasts, from internationally renowned culinary masters to moms on a budget looking to impress their tiniest critics. Again, that's every Monday at 3.30 p.m., Hot Grease on the Heritage Radio Network. Hi, welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Alice and I are talking about peaches well, I just and have all to, its connotations. I just, <laughs> I just have to quote, there was a, a line in that song um, called, uh, it was sun-soaked bulges on a tree. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna visualize that right now. Um, so if you want to have sun-soaked bulges growing on your tree, let me give you some tips. All right. Um, in my parents' first garden when they came to New York, um, they had a peach tree, and we had mm-hmm. a little bit of an incident with the peach tree when we were growing up. Being a wild little animal that I was, and, and my <laughs> brothers and sisters too, we ran amok amongst the garden beds. That was and, before you, know, you were spayed, right? Yeah, before I was spayed. <laughs> um, and I had no respect, no respect for the peach tree that they just, you know, just planted. And of course, I broke it oh. in, my, in my wildings, you uh-huh. know, in the backyard. It wasn't a very big yard. So my father and mother were furious. Yeah. You know, they were really mad about that. 
so they proceeded to to tape it and to to gra- you know to sort of kind of tie it back together and that tree actually lived for many many years mm-hmm. and produced fruit and i was i was completely mortified you know i i couldn't believe that i had snapped it in two you know right but it, it points to the resilience of the tree mm-hmm. you know and trees in general so but you do have some basic requirements they need to have full sun they shouldn't receive shade from buildings or tall trees um, you want to try to select a site kind of with a high elevation so that cold air can drain away from the tree on a cold night during bloom because early blooming trees such as peaches can really get damaged mm-hmm. by uh, you know late spring um, frosts the best site will also have well-drained sandy loam soil. Think about where it comes from, you mm-hmm. know. Peach or nectarine tree roots or rootstocks will not tolerate soil where water remains on or near the surface for more than an hour after a heavy rain. So you really have to prepare the site very, very well. Think of the tree as an investment. It's not like an annual vegetable, you know, if it doesn't work, it's a small. This is something that you'll want for many, many years. Right. So you want to prepare things well. Um, you know, you need to prepare the soil one or two years before planting so that the soil pH, the organic matter, and the nutrient status can be, you know, modified for the production of high-quality peaches and or nectarines. Like my dad says, a $10 hole for a $2 plant. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's a good saying, Phil. I like that. I, I'm going to use that. Um, so you want to prepare a bed that's at least 5 to 6 feet in diameter by cultivating or turning over the soil 10 or 12 inches deep and adding that organic matter. That means manure, leaves, grass clippings, and compost. Um, you know, some people do grow fruit trees um, in containers, but I don't recommend peaches for that. They really need much more space. These are trees that get 15 or 20 feet tall. Right. It's you know? not a citrus, right? No, you can. You can't continue won't produce for the amount of work that you have to do you won't produce much fruit so it really needs to be in the ground um if you're not sure what kind of condition your soil is in you can take a soil sample and have it tested by the local extension office here in new york it's cornell university uh, but every state has them so you send uh your soil sample in you know you want to do it six or eight inches deep and then you know they'll tell you what to add to the soil to make it right for what you're growing mm-hmm. um to also fruit trees need a good amount of pruning um, it's not the kind of tree that this is, is the fun part. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, it's really important that you just can't just let it grow into whatever shape that you want. Right. There's a lot of things that you need to do. Um, what seems to be very successful is something called the open center system, which means that they thin from the interior and that produces more sunlight exposure for the fruit and maximum yield and better quality. You have to start the pruning and training early um, in the year of planting and every single year after that to develop strong, well-balanced uh, framework or scaffold, which is the tree trunk um, and the branches. And that helps to maintain the balance between vegetative growth and fruit production. You don't want the tree to produce tons of leaves. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it you know, decoratively. This has produced a lot of fruit. So it may seem a bit shocking, but immediately after planting, you want to prune the tree back to a height of about 26 to 30 inches, cut off all the side branches to leave what's called a whip. A whip is just a shoot without any lateral branches or with lateral branches removed. So you leave that shoot, but this will produce an open center tree um, that will produce better fruit. So Because of air circulation. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> so during the first year, you remove diseased broken and low-hanging limbs. And then you remove the vigorous upright shoots that may have developed on the inside of the main scaffold because if they could, if you leave them, then it's going to shade the center and that's where the fruit is going to be produced. Then during the second and third year, you continue to remove the low-hanging, broken, and diseased limbs and you want to try to maintain a sort of open vase shape. 
So continue to remove those upright shoots on the inside and you leave the smaller shoots, which will produce the fruit. That's mm-hmm. what produces the fruit on the short spurs, kind of they're called. Um, and then you prune the vigorous upright limbs, you know, cutting them back to sort of an outward growing shoot. You want to try to create um, almost like not not a lollipop shape, but something much more open. They're not necessarily very pretty looking when you're when you've pruned them that way, but that's not your objective. It's not beauty. Pretty's on the interior. Yeah, the, <laughs> pretty's going to be in your mouth. You know? <laughs> and, wow. Uh, anyway, <laughs> later. Um, so, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be live. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so anyway, another thing that you need to do is you, um, you want to thin the fruit and you want good sized fruit. So when there's when there's years without frost and freeze damage, the, the tree is going to produce more peaches than it can really support. So you kind of are thinning out its offspring. So about three to four weeks after bloom, when the lar- uh, or when the largest fruit are about the size of a quarter, fruit should be removed by hand so that the remaining peaches are spaced about every eight inches. Mm-hmm. This is very important. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get lots of little peaches and not some good big peaches. Well, and then they sit next to each other and disease starts because they mold next to each other. Yeah. And bacterias. And yeah. Yeah. So it's producing too many babies. You got to thin them out. Exactly. Um, so um Fertilizing, you want to apply about a half a pound of 10-10-10 fertilizer or its equivalent 7 to 10 days after planting. And the same amount again about 40 days after planting. And you want to broadcast the fertilizer evenly about 8 to 12 inches from the trunk. And you have to continue to fertilize in the second and third years after planting. The tree, this is a... Think about what it's producing for you. So it's it's requiring a lot of nutrients from the soil and a lot of energy um, to and do that. And a lot that. of water. And a lot of water. Um, peach trees need to grow about 18 inches of new growth each year. So you want to remove the sod from under the tree, mulch and or irrigate, which is basically watering, you know, all the time, um, especially... Before harvest, if you're not regular with the water, your tree is not going to do well, especially early in its in And your its peaches lifespan. are going to show the symptoms of that. Yeah. Now, peaches, uh, like any soft fruits or any fruit in general, are just magnets for insect and disease. Um, mm-hmm. So you really can't grow them effectively without some kind of pest control system. Common insects and mites that affect them include uh, tarnished plant bug, stink bug, oriental fruit moth, plum curculio, peach tree borers, Japanese beetle, green june beetle, and European red mite. Um, Common peach and nectarine diseases are peach leaf curl, which is very obvious, brown rot and scab, bacterial spot, powdery mildew. So, uh, you know, some good advice can be gotten on specific spray programs and management from your extension um, services because they help farmers to grow better fruit. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about nectarines, which are actually, I sometimes actually prefer them. Sometimes you can find them um, in the market in better shape than peaches. I think yeah. they ship a little bit better. They do, yeah. Um, and they're basically grown in the same way. Um, and they can be, you know, considered a substitute for peaches. Genetically, the only difference is that they lack the fuzz right. that uh, the peaches do. They're usually a little bit smaller and they're usually a little bit um, redder on the surface and have more of a, um, a scent, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So sometimes I buy nectarines instead of peaches because of that. Um, so well, Let's talk to Erica. Yeah, it's time to talk about actually eating the fruit. Um, Erica, are you with us? I am. I'm here. Hey. Hi. Hi. I, I don't understand how any peach ever actually like develops to maturity 
after all that. I've been listening <laughs> for the last 15 minutes. Like, how could any fruit actually exist if it's so complicated? Yeah. Well, it's it's not it's not that it's complicated. It's just pruning at the right time of the year and um, and and, main, and pest control. And, like, yeah. I started reading the, the notes you sent me, and Carmen, you wrote, "Prepare your soil one to two years in advance." Who plans ahead like? <laughs> well, you got to think long term. Theoretical gardener. Theoretical gardener. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I bought my little bungalow up in the country ten years ago, and the first year I was like. I want to put in fruit trees. And then I thought, oh, but I'll have to wait like two years to get fruit. And now it's been 10 years. I'd never put them in. I don't have any fruit. So. Yeah. Well, we're going right. to have to come up, Eric, and do that with you. You are. I yeah. need you to do the master plan for Let, me. Let's yeah. do fruit trees. Jesus, like so much can go wrong. Curly Q. Yeah, yeah. Rot. Well, it, it just speaks to like when it is successful. I was reading somewhere and I forget where. Um, it was probably at my, my son's Lutheran camp that um his guitar playing guitar playing lutheran summer camp where we you know it's so hard to get good food that when you when you do grow it yourself you know and you have challenges it's important to to like really think about the farmer that that does it successfully how much knowledge that person does have you know i know well the simple act of actually like growing something from seed to edible product to me is amazing that it actually happens. Like, that it works. I have this little yeah. garden. You know, you put the seeds in the ground. You sort of hope for the best. And then sometimes you actually get food. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I don't understand how we actually manage to feed all the people in the world on what we grow. That, I know. That, yeah. is, that always amazes me, too. Yeah. Or, like, how many chickens there are in the world to produce all the eggs. Oh, that's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah. No, we're talking peaches. Sorry. Getting off here. Sweet, sweet peaches. So, what, what, so if you do I'm find a good one. What? Oh, I'm recovering from Metopia. Yeah. I'm like a little out of it. Oh, my God. I I was thinking about you all day because I basically didn't set foot outside. How did you did Mm -hmm. you get a good turnout? Did people come? Uh, Yeah, we had like a thousand people and there were no tents. Oh, oh no! Uh-huh. So we That's... were like out there. It was like the human pizza oven. Like we were oh, on the concrete pier with no tent. Luckily, there was some cloud cover, so we didn't actually die, but we came close to it. <laughs> um, but it was pretty good. It was fun. A lot of meat. It's a meat market. <laughs> but um, bum. Totally. Yeah. Did you have a lot of meat left over? Yeah, we did actually. We blew through all of our sort of primary thing, and then we had some backup stuff that was left over it but we just dumped it because it had been oh in the sun well actually a good combo is pork and peaches have you ever had that it is yes of course yeah go great with meat yeah Yeah. well you know pork goes great with fruit in general Mm -hmm. because well the sort of you know if you get really good pork like the fatty nature of the meat you know you need something acidic yeah right fruit is acidic and also you know wherever you have fruit agriculture traditionally you would have pigs because pigs are like the little, you know, like hoovers. You set them out into the field, you know, the orchard after all the fruit has fallen, and they slurp it all up. They, they eat all that it all fruit, up. and they yeah. get nice and fat in the fall, and then you kill them. I mean, that's why pigs traditionally had that apple stuck in their mouth. In their, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, peaches and pork are great. I mean, I what I like to do if I get really, really good peaches is... Um, just like blanch them really quickly to peel them and then dice them up and make like a salsa out of them. I think that's really good. Mm. Yeah. Like or just fresh cream. And just fresh yeah, cream okay, over yeah. peaches is just like sublime. Amazing. It is. Well, you're more indulgent than I am. <laughs> I'm fatter than you are. <laughs> <laughs> no. I wouldn't 
say that. But, um, yeah, so, but I like to, you know, mix them with savory things like onions and so Yeah, on. I was going to say that. I bet they are. I mean, when I, when I grew up eating uh, eating and drinking peaches, peaches were always put in wine in the summertime with a dinner. Yeah. yeah. Sure, so, well, like a Bellini, the classic Bellini is, you know, peach nectar and champagne, well, Prosecco. And yeah. Nectar, I mean, in our family, it was homemade wine that had to be diluted with peaches. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd <laughs> wow. be ill. Jack is shaking his head. <laughs> Jack's had some of that before. <laughs> I have to bring Jack a bottle of, of my dad's uh, spirits. <laughs> yeah, I right. think he'd enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Nectar. Nectar, right. Yes. Exactly. Um, but I like to grill them, too. I think they're really good on the grill. You just yeah. Cut them in half and throw them on the grill. Yeah. And then just, you know, chop them up into like a salsa or like a, you know. They get that kind of smoky grill sweet. Yeah, they pick up the smoke really well, you mm-hmm. know, especially if they're super ripe. Mm-hmm. I like can you help? Can you help people? To, um, f- you know, when they're shopping for peaches, how to tell if you know they if should buy ripe. them or not? Some people may not know. Well, you know, I say just trust your nose. Yeah, you know, like with a fruit like that, it's all about smell. I mean, aren't they related to roses? Um, apples and pears. Yes, yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, you. I mean, I go by smell. I was at the green market at a where was I? Which one? Borough Hall in Brooklyn last mm-hmm. week, and I walked around and I smelled everybody's peaches. Yeah, <laughs> I do that too. I yeah, do that too. and then I picked the ones that smelled the best because I think that's your best indicator. I, you know, I feel like they haven't been hybridized and over, you know, bred so much like strawberries where they have no smell anymore. Like, if you get the good ones, you can still, you know, find them by smell. And then yeah. look for ones that um, have a lot of pink on them because I think that means they've gotten a lot of sun exposure Mm -hmm. that's good advice as well yeah you know look for a lot of rosy pink and then feel them you want a little bit of a yield you know that you want them to be beginning to ripen but you can let them sit out and you know get a little bit sweeter although it's funny last year i was on um all things considered you know they do this show um called last chance food yeah i listened to that i love it yeah and the first one i was on was about peaches and of course i can't remember anything i said except that um Somebody, some farmer claims that they don't actually ripen when they're off the tree. They just get more sweet. That was his thing. And I was like, well, what's the difference? I mean, ripening is like sweetening, but yeah. botanically speaking, there's some difference. But, you know, if you, I let them sit out in my kitchen in a bowl for three, four days, and they get really soft and really sweet, and I call that ripe, and then I yeah, Yeah, another trick, mantle. too, because I've, you know, if you promise to make a pie... And you you go to the market that morning and you right. can't find that that softness. Um, put them in a paper bag for paper a few bag. hours. That right. works pretty yes. well too. And peaches right. should never exactly. be put in the fridge, right? No. Because that right. Never put them in the fridge because once they're in the fridge, you sort of kill off all those fragrances. You know, like tomatoes. You never want to refrigerate tomatoes. Yeah. But, but people do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's why we're here. The re-education camp of, <laughs> of food, food, yeah. heritage radio re-education, yeah, <laughs> edumacation. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about nectarines? Are they just I, a, well? I love them. Also, yeah. I sort of love that they don't have fuzz, and I love the flavor of them. But I think they're different than peaches. Like, there's definitely a difference. I think in flavor. And, yeah, I um, think they're more acidic, aren't they? A little more I acidic? I think they're more acidic, too. And peaches, to me, are more fragrant. Although, I think you were saying earlier that nectarines are... I don't know. Like, they're two different fruits that are close cousins to me. And I like them for different purposes. But I think when you get a really perfect 
ripe peach. It's like a magical, yeah. fruit, you know, like a transcendent fruit experience. <laughs> and you get those so infrequently now, and it's so rare. I didn't get, I know, I didn't have one single good tasting strawberry this entire season, Erica. Me either. I missed no. the entire season. Yeah. I yeah. Ate, like, I bought a little pint and, at the market, and they sucked. Yeah. And then that was it. And I grew up on the east end of Long Island, so we would go and pick Every summer, we'd pick strawberries, we'd pick peaches, and I remember them tasting really good. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We didn't have to add sugar. Now they're awful. I, I, yeah, I they're haven't awful. even had any good corn yet this oh, season. Oh, I had good corn last week. Last week actually. in Arizona. I listened to your show. Oh, <laughs> no. But, but none yet. So then, um, then I had some good local corn at, we, at work this week. Oh, okay. It's, no, we're, I think it's going to be a good, good corn year. But, um, you know, when we, we used to pick peaches, like I said, on Long Island, and... Um, when we came home at the end of the night, you would have this like horrible prickly rash yeah. from all the fuzz. Yeah, yeah. You don't realize Your how much fuzzier burn. they are yeah. on the tree. Yeah, yeah. It was like we were putting down fiberglass insulation all day. Yeah, we were forced to do that also <laughs> in my house. And <laughs> Erica, the same rash. I swear, Erica, you and I lived a parallel life. Like I remember that as well. That pink. Yep. Carrying it up to the attic on the hottest yes. summer day, like the worst. Stu- yep, in the attic, I know. <laughs> and your dad, like, swearing at you, you know? Ah, <laughs> yeah. the 70s. Yeah. Um, well. One botanical thing about nectarines, actually, they are more um, nutritive than a peach. That's what I read. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. in your notes, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you sent me that. Yeah, yeah, right, they have twice the vitamin A. Well, it makes sense. They have darker flesh. Too, and that's yeah. a you know a beta carotene, right? Mm-hmm. So the pigment. Good indicator, vitamin. right? Yeah, and they're darker. I, yeah, they're really good too. You know, and I think nectarines make really good sorbet. Like to me, they're almost. It's like a different texture, almost more like a plum. Like they have more water. Or something. Yeah, yeah, know. it's very different. I like it. Yeah. I, I like I like them both. I like them together. Yeah. I couldn't choose a favorite, you know. No, no. I mean, some of our breakfast now in the summer with my son, he loves fruit. He eats probably half his body weight in fruit daily, Erica. <laughs> wow. And he eats... Do you have it, diapers? Uh, <laughs> no, but we do have an outdoor yard. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he just... Remember what happened with that peach tree in your Yeah, that's what right. no. Do you guys remember Before the... you were spayed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the Lisa Simpson, the Simpsons episode where she has a peach tree? Lisa has a peach tree in her backyard. I have to watch that. I didn't see it. And no. she sings, I love my peach tree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hey, we I have, used to do that too. I had a little dwarf pear tree, and I used to make up songs and sing yeah. to it. We have a yeah. client that has a peach tree, and she is obsessed with it, even if it only produces one peach. And of yeah. course, yeah. it has every disease and insect that we mentioned, you know, <laughs> earlier in the show. And she's like, "You must come and spray. You must come and spray in you February." Know? And we're like, "It's not time yet. It's not yeah. time yet. Yeah. Hang on." She literally calls us in February to get us on the like March schedule docket, you know, wow. for for. Spraying, but it is worthwhile. I mean, she does. She does get a few. But then she's on vacation for those two weeks. That the peaches are ripe. Yeah, and every year it's the same two weeks. And she asks me to, you know, go get the mail and stuff. So I come home with this bounty of peaches. That's worth it. It is worth it. (laughs) Well, that just happened. I was just away for three weeks, and like my garden, you know, everything, like my green beans and everything, happened, and I missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of blew it. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about gardening. You can start again next year. It just takes, you know, right. just start. Well, I over. also have, I put in some stuff for the fall, too. Good. good. Yeah, good. Planning ahead. See, I can't 
plan one to two years in advance to prepare my soil for a peach tree. But <laughs> that, in May, I can think about October. That, yeah. that, that, that um, instruction is, is a bit excessive, admittedly. <laughs> that yeah. is, you know, a, your soil is probably decent enough. You dig a hole and add some compost and, you know, the right kind of fertilizers. And you could plant a peach tree you know, this fall yeah. and enjoy yeah, it, right. you know, well, so you're coming up and helping me. We'll get, we'll get that going for you. <laughs> okay, good, good. Okay. Okay. What were we talking about? Oh, peaches. <laughs> peaches. <laughs> Any other final uh, thoughts on peaches <laughs> from Erica Wides, chef, smarty plants, Chef <laughs> <laughs> smarty plants. I love that. You know, like anything that briefly comes into season and then goes away, just like, gorge yourself go eat as many as you possibly can and wallow in them because they'll be gone in a few weeks and then they're just a fond memory but it's something to look forward to exactly and i i think about it that way too i don't i you know it's so nice to bite into the first peach after waiting you know a year right a year right it's like that first good tomato like i won't eat a tomato all year i just me too i'm pretty much of a purist i can't do it that's why canning you know canning, canning freezing It really, you know, on a February night when it's like there's two feet of snow and you get to open up a frozen bag of Mm -hmm. peaches and... Yeah, well, you know, my mom actually used to do this really cool thing because we would go and we would pick, you know, like bushels and bushels and bushels of peaches and bring them home. And then she would make a gigantic batch of pie filling Ah. and then she would take pie pans and line them in foil and fill them with the filling and freeze them. Okay. Right? And then when they were frozen, she'd... Just wrap the foil up, pop them out of the pie pan, stack them up in the freezer, and then all winter she would just like make a pie crust and pull take it out one of her frozen pie-shaped blocks of filling, pop it in, and freeze it. Oh that, my god, that's so it. much better than that yeah. gelatinous stuff in a oh, can. Oh, that is disgusting. I can't even yeah, look at that stuff. So smart, right? Now yeah. she lives in Florida and eats lean cuisine. I don't know what happened, <laughs> Eric. But she used to do that, and it was like a genius. Thing. What happened? What happened? Did she? The did she read Adele Davis? Did she read? Tell me, she read Adele Davis. She's of that generation. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh my God, totally. We were canning and yeah. pickles, like all this stuff, like yeah. really hardcore, like seventies back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you listen to my show, you know. Yeah, yeah. The coal, yeah. all that. Now, not so much. Now she goes to aerobics, eats lean cuisine. It's okay. You yeah, know, she did her part. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, like you could make this filling in advance, you know, and then like freeze it in the shape you want it, and then. That's an excellent it. idea. Too I bad know, lean Rita. cuisine doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, they come in that same kind of frozen block. Yeah, it's not quite the same. But effect. then they add a bunch of preservatives and crap yeah. to it. So right, a lot of crap. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us oh, and well, talking sure, about guys. The Happy s- to do it. The sweetness. We've been trying of to do this forever. Summer. Yeah, I know, and and uh, we will be happy to be on your show. Anytime. In the next couple of weeks, if you have oh, a topic. Come on in. Yes, so. because, you know, why we cook will shortly be changing over to the new. Yeah, I know. I can't show. wait to listen. Let's get yeah. real. Let's get real. If you don't want to eat shit, listen to Let's Get Real. That's right. <laughs> Very yeah. good. Thanks, Erica. Yeah. Thanks, Erica. All right. I'll see you guys soon. Okay. 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 Thanks. Bye. Well, thanks for listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you, Jack Inslee, for producing. Um, if you miss any part of the show, please note it's available via our archive on the website, heritageradionetwork.com, and via podcast on iTunes. Please leave comments and or join our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc., We Dig Plants. And let us know what topics you want us to talk about. Thanks for listening. we'll keep talking.
Bye. Bye. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. AMP goes local. The Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, commonly known as the AMP, that grocery chain you've seen all your life, has glommed onto the concept of local and sustainable and has just introduced a new consortium of producers known as the Mid-Atlantic Country Farms, from which they will source beef and poultry. The animals are antibiotic and hormone-free, raised on vegetarian feed. There is no mention of certified humane or animal welfare-approved status, however. Maybe they haven't gotten that far in the marketing department. But what makes this of interest is that AMP supplies all AMP supermarkets, Pathmark, Food Emporium, Waldbaums, and Superfresh. These are not particularly high-end supermarkets, so this is good news for the average consumer. If you want to read more about this, you can go to the AMP website, which is www.apt.com dot com slash press room. This has been behind the scenes food news with Katie Kiefer. Finger on the Pole and City Winery are proud to present the Summer Barbecue Blowout Festival August 6th from noon to 4 p.m. The barbecue is happening at City Winery located at 155 Varick Street in New York City. Restaurants featured at this event are Empire Mayonnaise, Van Dag, Momofuku Mopar, Imperial Number no. 9, Myland, Mexicu, Kraft, Dizzy's Club, Coca-Cola, The Meatball Shop, and Dos Toros. Providing the soundtrack for the day are Midnight Magic, Pewter Magic, New Villager, Punches, Ducky, DJ Autobot, and the Snacky Tune DJ. VIP and general admission tickets are available at citywinery.com. Finger on the pole for City Winery would like to thank our sponsors. Heritage Foods USA, New York Magazine, Rekha Vodka, Sonar, Smile, Guilt City, Sub-Zero and Wolf. Please come out and join us for a day of fun, food, and dancing. For more information, go to www.fotpnyc.com.